This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Really good to see you. Honestly, it's great to be here. It's great to be anywhere, to be honest. But it's definitely great to be here, for sure. I've only been in this auditorium for special events. Anybody here, back when we used to do the mayor's prayer breakfast? Anybody remember those days? Sorry about that. Ron's a little shorter than me, so I've got to do that. I don't mean that in a disparaging way whatsoever, Ron. It's genetics and whatnot. But it really is awesome to be here. And, um, and I don't have to say this truthfully. Um, I love you, Pastor. We have had an amazing relationship for 18 years. There's been some challenges along the way. He's never quite seen things exactly as he should, as I've tried to encourage him to. But we are friends, and I'm honored to be here, and um, gosh, just been praying for him, praying for your church. The reality is, this doesn't feel like a church in transition. This feels like a really cool place to be, and uh, you can applaud, and uh, I'm really honored to be here. By the way, Spike. Well, and the band is great, but Spike, like, Mama, who is that man? (laughs) What a voice. I was so engaged with worship. Thank you. Anyway, so I've uh, I've been in the city for a long time. Grew up here, actually, and uh, served at Adobe for 18 years. 30 years total of ministry until the summer of 2021, where taken in a completely different direction. Now, the process of that began the previous fall, and brought me up to last summer where I ended up departing church ministry, um, I think for good. But the, all of the things that happened that brought me to that point, because it's not easy when you do something for 30 years, was this tension that was inside of me. And, and wouldn't you know it, Ron calls me up and we go and have um, some coffee and um, he says, we're going to do a number of series, and I'm wondering if you might help us be a, a part of that. And so if I don't really mess this up, I'll be here again in like six weeks. So hopefully that's the case, but that remains to be seen. You can tell me a little bit later. Um, and this tension word just kept coming to me. I have this saying that I say all the time, like if there's a tension, you need to pay attention to the tension. You just have to say that, and you have to feel that. And so interestingly enough, New Life began a new series the start of August, called The Kingdom of Jesus. And it's all about tension. How many of you love tension? I didn't see a single hand. You know what? I, with all due respect, oh, forget it. Um, and like, who wants to talk about tension? When I think of tension, I think of a tension headache. When I think of tension, I think of relational, what? Tension. And because I, like you, have access to the interwebs, I looked up some words that usually connect with the word tension, and here's what I found, and I thought, wow, Ron, what a great series this is going to be. Here's the words I found. Pressure, strain, stress, constriction, rigidity. So how fun would it be to have an entire series built around those things? And that's exactly what Ron put together, so thank you, friend. It's a, a good thing. But here's the thing, in the kingdom of Jesus, tension kind of is the thing. We always live in this tension, and it's everywhere in our faith experience. 
If you're anything like me, and you probably are, you do whatever you can to try to rid yourself of tension. But I think before you can really progress in this life of following Jesus, you have to learn to become okay with the constant tensions that are associated with that very journey. I've been a Christian now for a long time, 40 plus years, right? And the tension never goes away. The questions don't go away. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? All of these things and all these tensions that we deal with. Tension in our faith is a result of two, at least what appears to be, conflicting ideas. And we feel the need to sort of wrestle it out. That's what this tension is. And often we're not able to do that. So we've already looked at a couple of them in the series. There's the tension between love and truth, and then the tension between grace and righteousness. And both talks were just fantastic. Today we're going to delve into this idea of tension between blessing and trial. Good things happening in our lives and tough things happening in our lives. And, and I have a little secret to tell you. This is totally for free. Like, I'm not going to charge for this one single bit. Good things usually come with tough things, and those things usually create the best things. Good things usually come with tough things, and those things usually create the best things. Now, we don't want to think about that, or we do think about that. We don't want to have to experience that, but that really is the truth. In other words, blessing and trial usually go together, not necessarily at the same time, although sometimes they accompany each other. Truthfully, you can come up with any reason as to why this tension is happening. Most of them would probably be true. But what I've come to learn is that all of us are going to need to always pay attention to the tension. Because God knows that in our lives, trials and challenges seem to provide the backdrop and the context context for us to grow and to develop the best. I'm going to read that one more time. Um, Trials and challenges seem to provide the backdrop and the context for us to grow and develop the best. Now, those of us who follow Jesus should probably get used to this particular tension because you can't escape it. It's written in the lines and in the background of every person in Scripture and especially in those whose stories jump off the page. But I personally don't know of a person either in the Bible or in history or that I know face-to-face that God used greatly until he allowed them to be hurt deeply. My wife has this phrase. She's always said to me, she says, Bill, don't ever trust a person who doesn't walk without a limp. We've been married for 32 years, and I say this. People don't at first believe me, but when they get to know both of us, they realize she's way smarter than I am or have her thought to be. But what she was trying to point out, and I think this is, is really, really true, is that if someone hasn't been wounded or challenged or walked through difficulty enough, they're not going to develop the kind of humility and humanity that comes out of that struggle, which allows them to step into a deeper, richer, more solidified faith. Now, before we read from the scriptures today, I wanted to say one thing. Your definition of blessing and trial are really, really important. The truth is that they tend to morph as you grow older, I've noticed, as you grow in maturity, I've noticed, and as you learn empathy for other people. By the way, a lot of times that empathy learned for other people comes from trials. 
also your life context matters, like where you are in the world. Like I love, you know, teenagers and college age kids and even young 20 something. Um, But there is something to be said about the fact that they don't know nothing yet because they haven't gone around the planet enough. And I'm not being mean. It's just as you grow older, as you grow mature, you learn a lot more things. Then get married and you learn everything you possibly need to know. Not long ago, I had a friend tell me that they were so blessed. I'm going to use this. I, I'm sorry for that. I'm, I'm 54. I do the quote thing sometimes. They're so blessed because they recently were allowed and able to buy their multi-million dollar dream home. And, and they just said, God has blessed us to be able to buy this home. I thought, I, I guess I don't get any blessing because I don't have that, that kind of a house. Hashtag blessed. But on a recent visit to Bangladesh, I spoke with a wonderful female pastor living in one of the poorest countries of the world with 0.3% Christians living in that country. And through tears, she told me how grateful she was. In fact, the phrase that she used was, I am just absolutely so blessed to be able to provide my guests, it was me and a few other people, with fresh fruit and real coffee. Hashtag blessed. So what's the right blessing? I don't know. You can think about that. See, difficult seasons and frustrating times and disappointing moments can truly make or break a man or a woman, even a man or a woman who calls on Jesus as Lord. The pandemic has been tougher on me than I thought. It's churned up a lot of junk. Anybody else like that? Sort of built some weird anxieties in me and like nothing I can't deal with. But at the same time, I look back on it and like it's not completely over. I don't know what, what are we? We have no idea what we're in right now. Um, but the reality is it was there and, and, and I've dealt with all these things and wondering what is in this? Why has this happened? What is going on? It's been a disappointing season in some ways. But difficulty, disappointing moments can make or break a woman even if they follow Jesus as Lord, a man as well. Of course, no one likes to hear that, and I'm not one to go searching for pain or hard times, and if you are, then there's actually a diagnosis for that. But I'm convinced, (laughs) I'm convinced that our deepest period of growth, I mean, the time where we grow as people, but also when we grow in our ability to see God and trust God, happens when we struggle through trial. You hear this, and most of you know that, We're not waiting for that to happen, but we do know that in the middle of it and on the way after it, that we're going to gain something through it, or at least we should. Now, let's look on a letter written to a church in a city called Corinth 25 years after Jesus' death or so and after his resurrection. I'm going to read from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I put this up there. It's a lot to read. You can just listen to me if you want. Don't look at your phone or trying to phase out or anything. Just listen to me. Or you can read along, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 11. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, I love that, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort, comforts abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, Turn the page. Oops. 
It is for your comfort and produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but... This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he'll deliver us again. On him we've set our hope that we will continue to, he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now, Paul is the writer of this from 2 Corinthians. Now, I want you to catch this a little bit later in his description of himself. It's about 10 chapters later. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I don't have this up there. But here's what it says, I just want to read it to you. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. I love this translation because some of them read, once I was stoned, and I never like that. (laughs) Especially in this county because people are like, oh really? (laughs) I like the pelted with stones better. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. Sounds like most of us. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've never gone without food. I'm always looking for the next meal. I've been cold and naked, no comment, because everything else, because everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. So this description of himself, this is a lot more than, oh, the internet's been down all day. (laughs) This is a big deal. But I find it ironic that after his initial greeting, the very first thing he brings up is his gratefulness for God's comfort in the middle of his challenging time. Obviously, this is very much on his heart. He may have had a close call with death, and we really don't know. I'm guessing he did. Shipwrecked three times, probably. In verse 9, he says, indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Anybody ever felt that in your, in your bones? Maybe you didn't feel like death, but man, there was despair or maybe even despondency. If anything's been ratcheted up over the last few years is the people that are coping with deep, deep, deep anxiety issues. But a funny thing happened on the way to being overwhelmed by such pain and the threat of death. So much trial in the middle of that hope bubbled up. And a funny thing happened on the way to becoming bitter and broken and angry. His perspective shifted In the middle of the trial, a blessing appeared on the horizon. In the middle of the trial, a blessing appeared on the horizon. Actually, three of them, hidden perfectly on the surface of this portion of Scripture, and we're going to look at them. This man who endured pain beyond pain is able to extract three really important things for us to remember about the nature of pain and trial in our lives and how that ultimately leads to blessing. Here's the first thing. And this is found in verse four. It teaches us comfort that we might comfort others. 
such a hidden gem that this idea that we are going, that what we're going through could actually be of use to someone who will go through maybe not the same exact thing, but a very similar thing. Because identification with pain is a powerful tool for the healing of other people. My stepdad died a number of years ago and it resulted in me moving my mom down from Windsor. And, um, you know, he had had a series of health issues for a long time. Had his first open heart surgery, I think, when he was 50 and uh, another one at 55. And it was just like a a valve issue and all these different things. But I remember visiting him in the hospital, uh, especially after the first one. And outside of being shocked by the fact that his first meal after heart surgery, and I am not making this up, was not an impossible burger and salad. They didn't have that back then. I'm not kidding. It was a hamburger and a piece of chocolate cake served up by the hospital. That was one thing I was surprised about. But the other thing that I was surprised about was that there was a group that had been there to visit him because I noticed he had this little pillow. And, and people who have open heart surgery, they have to sometimes, they have to cover their, where their, their chest was opened and, and they have to cough a lot. And, and so they would take this pillow and put it in their chest and they'd be able to cough. And it was by this organization called Mended Hearts. And, and you know what it was? It was just a group of people, men and women, who had had open heart surgery themselves. And they bring this little pillow and they visit and it's got a little, you know, whatever they call that, scar, lace, whatever, the inlaid, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, they put it there and, and, and I thought, this is amazing. And he really appreciated it because these are people who had been there and they know. When we go through something, we can identify with what a hurting person has experienced because your pain acts as a common denominator. And get this, Jesus came to earth as a human being. He suffered as we might. And as the Bible says, we now have someone who can sympathize with our human frailty because he has been there. He's the king of mended hearts. His pain acts as the common denominator. Your pain allows the opportunity for God to comfort you so that you may then comfort other people. Have you ever thought about that? This horrible thing that you're going through? What if you could somehow direct your eyes to the idea that in a little while, maybe a little bit more than a little while, I'm going to be able to help someone else who's walking through this very same thing. And many of you have probably done that just because you you, you felt it before and you walked through it. This is a huge blessing birthed out of trial. And as sure as you are you and God is God, he will allow your pain to be repurposed into a gift for someone else. The gift of comfort. Hashtag blessed, right? Trial and blessing. Trial and blessing. The second thing is this. Paul talks about patient endurance through pain builds character and hope. It's found in verse 6. And of course, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4 piles on. Not only so, Paul's words again, but we also glory in our sufferings. Who does that? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, 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 character, and character, hope. Character, hope. course it's tough to see all that in the middle of it but enduring through a difficult season can bring huge rewards on the other side and the result of it is hope 
Some of you may identify right away with this thought because hope is an absolute blessing and necessary for life. If necessity is the mother of invention, then perseverance is definitely the father. There's all these things we walk through that we just have to kind of keep pushing through. But at the end of it, there's this incredible sense of blessing that comes upon it. Even though in the middle of it, we're not feeling that. I'm not saying that you should necessarily even feel that at all. But there is something that God does in our life through trial that helps us get to the next part where we're able to see blessing. I mean, blessing. And talk about your perspective morphing and seeing what was a difficult season for you becoming something that is altogether a gift. When my wife and I planted a church years ago, Santa Rosa, we had to move home and stay with my in-laws. It is what it is. They had a beautiful piece of land. They had a little thing we called the treehouse, and that's where we set up shop to live. It was 325 square feet for our family of four, my wife and I and my two children who were both quite young at the time. The only door was the door to the bathroom, which was a haven in times of trouble. Most of the wives are like, yep, it's my husband every day. That's what he does. He goes into the bathroom and sits there. Well, that's what I did, not necessarily going to the bathroom, but I needed to be away from the craziness of it all. But I'll never forget, as I was in the midst of this, and we had left a beautiful house from the city we were at uh, over in the Central Valley, and, and I, things were really going well in ministry, and I thought, let's plant a church. And we decided to do that. And in the middle of this, I remember waking up one night, and I grabbed my pillow, and I was suddenly so grateful. I actually started to cry that I had a pillow. And I looked over at our bathroom door, which no one was in at the moment. And I thought, I'm so grateful that we even have a door in this place. See, my perspective shifted because suddenly my idea of blessings shifted. And in that, my idea of trial shifted as well. I want to tell a story about Thomas Edison. And those of you up in the media room, you can go ahead and move to page the next page. I love the story about Thomas Edison. Two men who worked alongside him, weary to the point of exhaustion, sighed and said, what a waste. We've tried no less than 700 experiments and nothing has worked. We're not a bit better off than when we started. But with an optimistic twinkle in his eye, Edison replied to them, yes, we are. We now know 700 things that won't work. We're closer now than we've ever been. And with that, he rolled up his sleeves and got back to work. And that, my friends, is called endurance. And what a blessing birthed out of trials that we've been offered. Our pain builds endurance, makes us stronger, makes us better. And that's a gift, and that's a blessing in the middle of it. Now listen, some of you are thinking, it's good for you to talk about, Bill. You're preaching, and I, you know, I'm glad, but I'm going through real stuff. Yeah, I know. Me too. But, you know, none of these things are fashioned out of just a pastor standing up and talking like he thinks that this just easy peasy. I pastored for 30 years. That is not easy peasy. And the nicks and the cuts and the scrapes that come with that and life and people and everything that is our world, it's a challenge. But there's this thing that happens when God takes those trials and turns them into a blessing. And the truth is, 
the blessing may have been there the whole time. We just never saw it as that. Number three, verse nine, the last thing that Paul notices. It forces us to rely on God. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. More of God and less of you is always a good thing because when trial enters our lives, we tend to move back toward God. But when the, you know what, hits the fan, we look up. We suddenly become church people. We ask everybody to pray. Isn't that true? We get to church often and on time. By the way, most of you got here on time. I was looking. There's multiple groups of people that come into church. There's this, the, kind of the last group that's the strolling in on Sunday morning kind of church group. But man, when things are tough, you're like, you're there early and you want to pray. And where's Pastor Ron? Because I need some help. We become church people. We ask everyone to pray. We get to church. We read our Bible. We repent. Serious times require serious responses, right? When things get tough, it forces us to rely on God. When you've hit the wall and run out of answers, you are forced to look up instead of out or in. Trial is the great equalizer in our lives and always forces our attention to God. Pain is the primer to return our hearts to him. Pain is the primer to return our hearts to him. Pain is the primer to return our hearts to him. You know, trials come from all over the place. We can't really dodge them even when we do our best. Why? We live in a broken, imperfect, incomplete world and we're subject to the overflow of pain and trial. We live among broken people who bleed all over us sometimes whether the cause of their pain is their own or something that's been inflicted upon them. You, me, we are our own special sort of broken and messed up at times. Sometimes we create our own trials. We conjure them up through bad actions, which result in bad outcomes. Of course, we can never forget that we battle against very real and very potent spiritual opposition that wants us to see God as nothing but a cosmic pain giver tries to undermine our trust in our loving Heavenly Father. But lastly, one of the main reasons we experience trial is the painful reality that God sometimes allows difficulty into our lives to recapture our attention. Sometimes God will allow difficulty in our lives to recapture our attention. We can think of this as a heavenly redirect, or perhaps a severe mercy. Heavenly redirect, perhaps a severe mercy. When I was a teenager, I was following Jesus. Whenever I was on the verge of not quite doing that, I always got caught or I always got in trouble. And looking back on it, I'm so grateful to God for busting me on a regular basis because it showed that he cared. He wasn't going to let me get away with those kind of things because he knew the direction that I needed to go. And ultimately, we can either get grumpy about that or we can allow our Heavenly Father this redirect. It's always for our benefit to be forced off our road and back onto the path. In all my time being both a Christian and a pastor, I haven't loved seasons of pain, but as the years have gone by, I've grown tremendously because of them. It's actually been a huge blessing for me. And when I look back, I can see the huge shifts in my perspective about it. I used to be a runner, like not a physical runner, 
Who runs for fun? Those people are nuts. <laughs> what I mean is I would want to run away from everything. I would spend big blocks of time fantasizing about another life in another place without all the pressures because, you know, if you move somewhere else, the pressures and the troubles, they go away, right? Isn't that right? I would go on vacation and I would look at housing prices and plot a way to move there because vacation is real life, right? And it was truly sad. In fact, I was, I was a baby, to be honest. And for someone who was an only child, it was never easy to deal with something that isn't all about me in the first place. But God is faithful to grow me up and God will be faithful to grow you up. Make no mistake. You won't get there and you won't get better through all the blessings because the work actually happens in the trial. It happens in the pain. It happens in the tension. That's when you really grow. When you're in a marriage relationship and you're dealing with the conflict, your marriage doesn't get better if you're a runner or a hider or a deflector or a blamer, does it? And if that's any of you, are you married? You're too young to be married. Thank you for shaking your head like, yes, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, any other teenagers that are married in here or young people? I, okay. Ron, I'm not sure what's going on, but that's okay. It all happens in the tension, so pay attention to the tension. Because of your human condition, you'll always slide toward the path of least resistance, but if you allow God to work the tension with the blessing and the trial, the trial and the blessing, if you allow him to mix all that in and allow it, you will experience, well, actually, you're going to still experience trial and blessing because that's how it works what you'll get out of it is that you'll begin to see trials differently and you'll begin to see blessings differently as well. Actually, what you're really going to gain is perspective. Everything switches. The littlest of things will feel like blessings. My stupid pillow, the door to the bathroom. And the biggest battles will feel like something you could probably get through. Your entire life will start to make you wonder how you ever looked at it any other way. And I'm so grateful for that. Let me conclude with some of Paul's words. I think they hit the nail on the head. Writing to the Philippian church in chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Here's what he says. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's the perspective, but then he puts the capstone on it with this right here. Go ahead and put that up. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can get through the pain. I can get through the blessing because of him. And I don't know if some of you, maybe you haven't quite made that leap, but there's something crazy cool about saying, God, I don't have a clue. I'm not sure how to solve this. But what I am going to do is stay completely connected to you. And I'm going to live in that moment. I'm going to live in that circumstance through the good and the bad. I'm going to, like Paul, try to learn the secret to being content and no matter the situation. because that's what he wants to do. A funny thing will happen as we encounter trials and pain. It will allow us to see God's comfort and how he comforts us so that we can comfort others. It will produce in us endurance, which in turn bring character, which in turn brings hope. And lastly, it will force us to rely on God 
which is always the best option. And like in Paul's life, it will bring some really great perspective. And I can say this with all sincerity, that perspective is a lovely hand to hold. So pay attention to the tension because there just might be a blessing just around the corner. And you'll see God move and you'll go, why did I ever doubt? I'd like to pray for you. Actually, I'd like to pray for us. New Life is in a unique situation in terms of a transition, but there's been a lot of challenge. And, and you know, I think of, um, mostly I think of Monica because I just think she's cool and I love her. And, and it's just been a, a difficult thing for the family, for her. I can tell you through connections on Facebook and text messages or whatever, um, she is so realistic, but she is definitely looking up. Right in the midst of this time in new life's life, there's trial, but there's always and also blessing. Jesus, I pray for everyone in this church. I pray that what is heard today, what was heard, what they hold on to, will not be this idea that Wow, pain, it's great, makes us better. And that's a good thing. But more than anything, that we would see that you allow those trials in our life to shift our perspective and ultimately push us to this point where we have to rely on you more than ever. And in that, I pray for each person here that they would then see the blessing as a result of it. I pray for this church. I pray for its well-being. I pray for its health. I pray, Lord, for financial support, financial stability. I pray for grace. I pray, God, that people would jump in with both feet and not be hesitant, but to dive into the mission of the church. There's such a beautiful, simple humility here today that I have experienced. And God, I know that through trial, you are bringing huge blessing. In fact, it's already here. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. We love you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.